Well, uh, it's good to have my nephew here tonight. <laughs> I don't know how we got on Uncle Andy and nephew and all that, but we got on it. And, uh, and so some people believe that it's real. Now, he's never told me if I was the good uncle or not. That's the only problem I have with that. But, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, he's been a special blessing to me because he's been under attack from different ways, falsely accused and all that. He's just stayed true, kept preaching the word, and God has used him mightily. And the blood, God is blessing the work. And I, I like a man that doesn't cower, doesn't run when the heat is on. And when he is under one of the greatest trials of his lifetime, he was also under some of the greatest attack from others. And he stood firm, he and his wife, and just a good, solid family. His dad, Brother Tom Neal, is going to be with us in June. So we're looking forward to having that as well. And so it'll just be a tremendous time with all of his uh, family and the people there. I wish he still had the college and he'd send those singers down here. Oh, I tell you, that was tremendous as well. But uh, he's got the Berean Bookstore. I want him to tell you a little bit about that and, and then uh, preach to you on this very important subject. I think you'll want to take notes on this. They will be on our website. He's preached about a solid year on this thing in his church, so he's uh, equipped and ready to go. So, Brother Neil, would you come preach to us? Thank you so much. It's my privilege to be here, and if you want to go ahead and get a head start my, on, can you hear me? Okay, we're going to be in three places of Scripture tonight. I'm going to get you turned into the first one, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and if time permits... Uh, then we'll be in the book of Jude, and then to the book of Psalms. And so if you want to get a head start there, I do appreciate the opportunity uh, to be here uh, with all of you and Uncle Andy. It's always good to be with Uncle Andy. And uh, that came about, if you don't remember the first time I mentioned that here, uh, my wife and I were talking, and uh, the Blooms and us, we've, we've been good friends through the years, fellowship, and I made the comment, he's just like an uncle, he's like my Uncle Andy. And so I started calling him Uncle Andy. And, uh, and he mentioned he didn't know if he's the good uncle or the bad uncle. He's neither. Everybody has that crazy uncle. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, but it's good uh, to be uh, with uh, my good friends and then uh, all of you. It's my privilege to be here. And I've enjoyed uh, the service so far, the music. Thank you so much for the music. The music has been outstanding. And uh, you don't know how much of a personal blessing it was because I get... Uh, right there by my seat, I have an order of service, and it says, who is singing? And one of the, the specials said, Bloom Duet. And you don't know how relieved I was when you did not get up uh, during that time. I was very, very relieved by that, but uh, the music is great, and it's always good to be with friends. Uh, for the next several days, you and I are going to uh, deal in the matter of spiritual warfare. Make no mistake about it. Uh, that when you deal with the subject of salvation, scripture, uh, we are entering in spiritual warfare. Many times Christians fall prey to our adversary because they don't realize we're in a battle. Uh, we're in a battle of truth and error. And this last day's theology, as I like to call it, the emerging church, uh, it, is, it, is a, it is a philosophy. It is a doctrine of devils. Uh, that it is deceiving people into thinking they have a personal relationship with God and they do not. I want to remind us, the scripture tells us that there are going to be some who stand in the presence of God and, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me, uh, for I never knew you. 
They've been deceived. And we're going to deal with this and throughout the week. I want you to make a commitment to be here every single night. Uh, I will do my best to condense all of this uh, the best I can in the best order I can. I did uh, teach on this for about a year on Wednesday nights uh, to my church people, and it was a great help to them. Uh, this is about a nine-year study on my part. Uh, I have been through uh, the Scripture many, many times. I have uh, looked through uh, probably 60 different resources by the, these authors or founders uh, of the Emerging Church and uh, have uh, kind of picked it apart because uh, I wanted to help my people. I, I did it for this reason. One, I don't want to be deceived. I didn't want my people to be deceived as a pastor as your pastor has the same responsibility, is to teach you the truth. And part of teaching you the truth is so that you can spot error and so that you're not deceived by it. I wanted my people to not be deceived. Because you hear these terms, uh, some that I'll mention this week, all the time, and they sound spiritual and they sound good, but when you get down to what the real definitions are, you'll find that they're very unscriptural. And they are not of God. And so I taught this, and uh, I've taught it several times. I taught it at the, our Preacher's Delight Conference this past fall where your pastor was uh, in attendance. And so uh, I want to uh, do the best I can to get through it this week. And I, I wish that you would pray for me as I uh, attempt to get through this. I promise you I will talk fast if you'll listen fast and if you'll pay close attention. So I'm ready to, to take a year and put it into four nights. Are you ready to go with me? Okay, a few of you are. Uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll hit some highlights of this, and throughout the week, uh, I am going to, I'm going to use a lot of Scripture. Uh, I am going to bring some of uh, the books uh, that the, what I call the emerging church leaders, the founders, uh, and I'm going to quote them. Uh, I'm going to quote God, and then I'm going to quote these emerging church leaders so that we can see the difference. I'll make some strong statements throughout the week. Uh, every statement that I make that would be a strong statement that at first you may look at it uh, maybe a little differently, I will back it up with Scripture or I will back it up with the very words of the men who have spoken it. And uh, this movement uh, is affecting our churches uh, because we are not armed with Scripture. And uh, I, I hope that this will be a help to you this week. I taught it to my church because I didn't want them to be deceived. I mentioned that. Uh, but I wanted them to understand the terminology that these churches use so that they could be a better witness to them. A lot of times they use terminology and you, you try to be a witness to them, invite them to church, find out about their salvation. And they, you, we don't understand or we think their terminology means what we think it means, but that's not it. Uh, there is a different definition behind, and I rejoice to say that it does this pastor's heart good when you teach something on a Wednesday night, and then that weekend, uh, your soul winners use some of those very things, and they're soul winning, and so this will help you. Now, tonight, I'm going to try and teach through two or three subjects a night. Don't let that scare you. I will talk quickly, but I promise you I will keep your attention uh, if, you, if you'll pay close attention, tonight I want to uh, set the, give you the definition of the emerging church. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know what the emerging church is. Uh, you don't know what that terminology is. I'm going to define that by their words tonight. Uh, tomorrow night, Lord willing, 
Uh, I am going to teach you how it's an attack, the emerging church is an attack on the Spirit of God. I'm going to attempt to teach you central separation. I'm going to show you everybody believes in separation. Uh, you believe in separation. The emerging church believes in separation. Uh, there's, a, there's the Bible definition, and then there's, there's sensual separation. I'm going to teach that. And then the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Antichrist. Uh, these churches, and I use that term loosely, uh, they are of the Spirit of Antichrist. I'm going to show that from the Bible, so that's tomorrow night. Tuesday night, I'm going to deal with, Lord willing, the attack on Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to teach on convert or Christ follower. Have you ever heard that terminology? Why well, just follow Christ? Uh, it sounds right, doesn't it? And I, and I, I was sitting here tonight and say, I, I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but there's, there's a meaning behind that that they're not telling you. And so I'll teach on convert or Christ follower. There is a difference as well as the emerging church's attack on Scripture. And then, Lord willing, Wednesday night, I will look at the New Testament church or an emerging church. You can't be both. Uh, you're either a New Testament church or you're an emerging church. So uh, we'll begin this journey tonight and uh, pr prayerfully be here every single night. I want to give you information that will help you. Uh, I, want to, I want to please my God. Uh, I want to be able to stand before Him one day and hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be faithful with the Word of God. I don't want to be deceived. Uh, I trust that you have the same mindset tonight. And so uh, as we look into the Scripture, I want to uh, uh, thank you again, Brother Bloom, for allowing me to be here. And uh, we'll look forward to what God has for us this week. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, uh, we'll begin reading verse number 1. The Bible says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. We are told that in the last days perilous times shall come. That's how we know when the return of our Savior is getting close. Then we are informed in the next few verses, uh, defined, those last days are defined. We are told the kind of people we'll be able to find in those last days. And if we look through that list, uh, it's quite a list that you and I, I'm certain, do not want to be listed in. We'll say, well, well Pastor Neil, those people are found in this world. But you have to put it in context with verse number 5, having a form of godliness. But denying the power thereof from such turn away. I don't know if you pay attention to, 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 the, to the media. I would recommend not do that much. But uh, you hear, hear different headlines and different things of churches and how the things that they're accepting. Uh, the things that I would make the case tonight, that the, the list of two, verses 2, 3, and 4, you can find each of those things under the umbrella of a quote-unquote church with justification giving. So what are you talking about? I'm talking about the emerging church. Uh, for having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I'm going to make a couple of statements, and then we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into uh, the message tonight. Uh, the emerging contemporary church says, come as you are and stay that way. 
The New Testament church says, come as you are, repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, there is a, it's a matter of salvation. It's a matter of change. Uh, by the way, why would you go to church if you didn't want to change? Uh, that's the purpose of the church, is for us to be edified. Amen. For us to become more like our Savior. Uh, the church uh, was founded to be a place where sinners could find Christ. Aren't you thankful that a lost man, a lost woman, uh, can come to an old-fashioned independent Baptist church like this one and find the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. That's the way God intended it. It was not intended to be the place where they could hide from Him. The biggest obstacle that the Emmanuel Baptist Church faces in Jacksonville, Florida, in reaching the lost, are all of the emerging churches that are on almost every street corner telling the lost, come here, be as you are, there's no need for you to change. That's the greatest obstacle. God never intended for sinners to be... He, he intended for the church to be a place that sinners could find Christ, not hide from Him. The emerging church is a club that says, keep your music, keep your language, keep your dress, keep your friends, keep your lifestyle. The New Testament church is a called-out assembly following the command to come out from among them and be ye separate. Amen. Uh, there is a difference. And tonight we'll begin to get into and we'll define the emerging church. And uh, let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, we come to you tonight a, uh, thankful for the Word of God, thankful for salvation, thankful that tonight that we can know for certain we're on our way to heaven. I stand here tonight with no doubts, no doubts at all, that my... Uh, eternity is secure, and I thank you for your Son. And Father, as we look into the Word of God, we're reminded again that uh, the Scripture is our guide. Uh, the Scriptures are here to uh, teach us and to edify us. And tonight I ask that the Holy Spirit of God uh, be our teacher, be our instructor, and uh, may we uh, allow the things that we hear tonight to help us to better serve you. Uh, bless this church, bless this pastor and people, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me give you some definitions of the emerging church. Uh, the, by their own definition, the emerging church movement exists to reach a postmodern generation who is not familiar with nor interested in the church as it exists today. We live in this postmodern time, so there's a new generation uh, that isn't interested with the things of God. So therefore, by their definition, this new church has emerged from and above the traditional church due to the deconstruction of the way it's always been. So, we have a new generation. We have this postmodern generation. Uh, you hear a lot of talk about millennials today, and here's this new generation that's come on the scene, and they're not interested in the things of God. Uh, they have grown up in technology. They have grown up in this world they live in, and as a whole, it's, it, it's not true uh, down to a person, but as a whole, uh, the logic behind this is postmodern generation is not interested in the church as it exists today. So by their definition, they are deconstructing what has always been. And there's a new church, the emerging church, that comes from a deconstructing the way it has always been. It is also a religious movement that crosses religious and denominational boundaries due to its rebellion against the institutions of the traditional church. Uh, the 
emerging church, the, it is a doctrinal issue that we're speaking of tonight. A lot of times you'll hear, uh, you get into a, a discussion about, about spiritual things and it's, don't label me. I don't want to be labeled. Uh, the emerging church shuns traditional labels and by design positions themselves so as not to be identified by any set belief system. Don't miss this. They position themselves so they can't be labeled. When I pulled into the parking lot tonight, the sign out front said the Central Baptist Church. When I see the word Baptist, I know, or you wish I should know, what that means. What is preached from this pulpit? That label is there is a doctrinal label. You don't get to heaven because you have the Baptist label. You get to heaven because you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But we, get, we put the label Baptist on our church. We put the label Baptist on us as a believer because it is a set of doctrines that we adhere to. Are you following me? The emerging church positions themselves so as not to be identified by any label. Let me give you an example. Brian McLaren, who's one of the uh, founders, if you will, of the Emerging Church in his book, A Generous Orthodoxy. The subtitle of this book is this. Now you're going to have to pay close attention. Why I am a missional, evangelical, post-Protestant, liberal, conservative, mystical, poetic, biblical, charismatic, contemplative, fundamentalist, Calvinist, Anabaptist, Anglican, Methodist, Catholic, Green, Incarnational, Depressed, yet hopeful, emergent, unfinished Christian. That is the subtitle of his book. What is he doing? He is positioning, so I can't be labeled with anything. See, when you say you have Baptists on your church sign, you are saying this is what we identify with. But the emerging church doesn't want to be identified with any doctrine. Because you've got to remember it is a rejection. It is a rebellion against what has always been. That is the emerging church. It is a rejection of traditions. It's a rejection of the traditional church. It's a rejection of Scripture. It's a rejection of of the way it has always been. We want to position ourselves. Here's something to ask one of your emerging church friends. What do you, whenever I encounter one of these, whether it's soul winning or in a conversation, I always ask them, what do you believe? And always, it's never, there's never been an exception in my case. When they start, it is always telling me what they are against. I'm against man-made standards. I'm against man's church. I'm against, not one time have I ever asked, what do, you, what, what do you believe? Have they told me what they actually believe? But it's what they're against. You ask me what I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ is the perfect Son of God Amen. who left heaven to come and to die for sinful men. So that when we could not get access to, our, to the Holy Father, He 
shed his own blood so that through him we might be saved. That's what I, that's what I believe. I, I, I get excited when somebody asks me what I believe. I'm going to tell them about a perfect son of God who died for the sins of mankind. But when you ask what this... this uh, I'm going to get on the rabbit trail here, but I think, I think it's, it's going to be helpful. I saw some of the billboards coming into town of churches like this in this area. And uh, in, in Jacksonville, uh, the way one of the recruiting tools, if you will, uh, for these type of churches is to tell those that are in churches like ours, if you come over here, all of the things that you get to do. Like you could... It's a, you can keep your alcohol if you come over here. And I want to—I I, said one time to somebody, "That's your hook. That—that—that—that's—that—that's—that's that, that, your invitation." Well, I'm glad that we can say, "I want to introduce you to the Son of God. I want to introduce you to the cornerstone of the church. I want to introduce you to the to the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ." But it is all built out of a rebellion. We are going to reject. What has always been. Now turn with me to the book of Jude. We'll be in Jude, and we'll begin reading with verse number 1. And we're going to read down through verse number 3. Verse number 1, down to verse number 3. Um, it's, it, it's a lot in our society today, but especially in this emerging church crowd. Um, there's this idea that there's two truths. If, if, if I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, that's what you believe, Pastor. Uh, that, that's what your church believes. Now, uh, I believe the Bible. I have had situations where I've opened the Word of God, read Scripture. The person I was talking to said, I know what it says, but that's what you believe. Because there's this idea that there's an alternative truth. Friend, there's only truth and error. There's not two truths. Well, that's what y'all believe down there at the Baptist Church. Well, something's got to be true. Uh, something's got to be the absolute. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Look with me in the book of Jude, verse number 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad you're preserved in Jesus Christ? Amen. And called... Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Notice that last phrase, once delivered unto the saints. We're going to talk just for a few moments on the once delivered faith. My Bible tells me that... The faith, you should earnestly contend for the faith. That faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, if you recall what I just gave you, the definition, how the emerging church defines themselves. Uh, we, we are, from this postmodern generation, we reject everything that has been. We've deconstructed, picked apart the traditional church, the traditional way. And from that, we've created, or a church has emerged. And now, this is what we believe. Well, my Bible tells me our faith was delivered one time. It is a once-delivered faith. 
Which means it doesn't matter which generation comes on the scene, the faith was delivered one time. Friend, you and I have a faith tonight. Aren't you thankful we have a faith? It was delivered one time. Because there's one God. There's one Savior. There's one way to the Father. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the once delivered faith. You say, Pastor Neil, why is this important? Why would we teach on on this emerging church? What does it really matter? It matters because the faith is tied. Notice in verse number 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. This faith that you and I talk about, this faith that you and I hold to, it's centered around a common salvation. And when you tinker with the faith, do you know what you tinker with? Salvation. Well, are those things are really that big of a deal? Well, if it's Bible, it's a big deal. Well, I know it's the tradition, but this is a new generation. It's a once-delivered faith. And it's about a common salvation. How many of you are saved tonight? You're on your way to heaven. You're ready to go. Let, let, me, let me see your hand tonight. Saved tonight. All right. Everyone who just raised their hand, we all got saved the same way. We all trusted the same Savior. We all depended on the finished work of the Son of God. The death, the burial, the resurrection. We got saved the same way. I don't know everyone in here. Some of your faces are becoming more and more familiar. But I don't know all of your background. But no matter where you came from, you still got saved the same way. How many of you were saved when you were over 40? Let me see your hand. Over 40. Okay, a few of you were saved over 40. I was saved when I was almost five years of age. Do you realize that we got saved the same way? Because it's a common salvation. No matter what part of the world, no matter what nationality, you get saved the same way. Do you realize that when this, when, when, what time period this book was written in? Do you realize in this day, people got saved the same way that you get saved today? It's a common salvation. So if we are going to deconstruct the faith, what are we altering? The common salvation. That's why Jude says contend for the faith. Because we have a faith that was once delivered. It doesn't matter what generation you're part of this evening. We have a once-delivered faith. Who is the author of our faith? Uh, Hebrews 12.2 tells us that Jesus Christ is the author of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down the right hand of the throne of God. The faith that we hold to... And the book of 2 Timothy tells us that uh, it's passed down from faithful man to faithful man. That faith, Jesus is the author of it. Now, I forgot my stack of books. I'll have them throughout the week. But do you know where the emerging church gets their faith from? Men. Now, I would rather get my faith from the perfect Son of God than from sinful men. He's the author. What's the authority of our faith? It's the Word of God. 
That is our authority. Matthew 24, 35 tells us, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The same is said in Mark 13, 31 and Luke 21, 33, that there's an authority. What is the problem that the emerging church has? It's not that there's a new day, that we need a new salvation, we need a new doctrine, we need a new faith. No, it's a rebellion against the authority of the Word of God. It's a rebellion against, thus saith the Lord. Here's a phrase that, that, that you'll hear often from the emerging church crowd. We're just searching for authenticity. Maybe you've heard it. We're looking for the authentic faith. I want an authentic worship. I've still yet to have somebody define in who it is that gets to decide what's authentic and what's not. Well, let me help you with something tonight. Psalms 119, 80, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Can you get more authentic than that? Malachi 3, 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. That sounds pretty authentic to me. So here, here's you a little bit of ammunition whenever you're having a conversation or a debate with somebody who is deceived by this. Well, I just want authentic. I, it, it just, those are the singers that got up here. They're, they're, they're not, I want something that, that's authentic. We can't get any more authentic than Jesus Christ. Who's tied to a once delivered faith. And of course, it's about the absolutes. The, I'm sorry, the absolutes, doctrine, our methods, our manners. Boys, we've got to remember there's a once-delivered faith, and we hold to that faith. Now, I mentioned just a moment ago Psalms 119, verse 89, and I'm, I am watching the time tonight. But I want to ask you a question. I'm going to finish with this. Is the old-time religion outdated? I hear that all the time. Oh, we live in a new day. Oh, people are different. But I ask you the question, is the old-time religion outdated? Oh, I've heard this. Neil, you know what your problem is? You're stuck in the past. You're stuck in the, the days of the 80s and the 90s. And the, even the, you go back to the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. Those days are gone. It's outdated. And lost men, when they see hip, cutting edge, modern, it appeals to them. Now, it shouldn't appeal to a spiritual Christian. Let me say this. It doesn't appeal to a spiritual Christian. Oh, this is an argument. Is the, it's, you're outdated. Now, let me, let, me, let me deal with this just for a moment with the time remaining. The emerging church is a protest. It is a protest against tradition, order, absolutes, and the traditional church. It is more known for what it is against. They're against authority, against pastor-led, against separation, against standards, against convictions, against absolutes, than for what it is for. The emerging, the contemporary church falls into this as well, is exactly what it accuses the old-time religion of being. Against a lot of things instead of what it is for. We actually, churches that stand where our churches stand, actually get accused of that. Oh, you're just about, you're, it's just about what you're, everything you're against. That's not true. Uh, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but again, I'll say what I've already said. Ask somebody who's in, the, in one of these emerging churches what they actually believe, and they'll begin to tell you what they're against. 
Dan Kimball, another one, I'll, I'll refer to his book again later this week, in his book entitled The Emerging Church, defines the movement. This is his words. He's considered an authority on the emerging church. In his book entitled The Emerging Church, he defines the emerging church movement as this. There is no single worldview. All truth is not absolute. Community is valued over individualism. And thinking, learning, and beliefs can be determined non-linearly. Now let me break down what he is saying because there are several scriptural problems with his definition of their church movement. Let me read it to you one more time. There is no single worldview. All truth is not absolute. Community is valued over individualism. And thinking, learning, and beliefs can be determined non-linearly. Let's take that first statement. No single worldview. Now this is what Dan Kimball, the author of the book Emerging Church, considered an authority on the emerging church in this kind of a a deconstruction of the traditional church says there is no single worldview. Let me break down what he is saying. This means that Jehovah God cannot be the only God because that is a single worldview. It, 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 without a single, if you have a single worldview, you cannot accept all other gods as possibilities. So when they say, oh, we believe, we believe Sima, we believe God, they do not. They do not believe there's a single worldview. I believe there is one God, Amen. and it's Jehovah God. Amen. Uh, Allah is not God. There's one God. There's one Savior. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one way to heaven. That's through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a single Worldview, But according to the emerging church, their own words, there cannot be a single worldview. Which That's why the emerging church, I describe it like a virus. It seeps into every denomination, every way of, of, of doctrinal belief, because any, anybody can be part of the emerging church. Jesus is not the only way. That's a single worldview. Now, the next thing he said was, there's, all truth is not absolute. And whenever I, I read after these, these guys, I always think of the Scripture ever learning and ever able to come to the truth. Professing themselves to be wise, they were as fools. Think about that statement. All truth is not absolute. By definition, isn't truth absolute? But not all absolutes are absolute, is what they're saying. All truth is not absolute. In other words, the Bible is not the ultimate authority. Lord willing, on Wednesday night, I'm going to, or, or, or Tuesday night, I'm going to show you how they even use the name of Jesus to attack the Scripture. I'm going to lay the case over the next couple of nights that the Jesus they talk about is not the Jesus you and I serve, it's another Jesus. But it is attack on the Scripture, the Bible not being the ultimate authority. In their mind, in their belief, truth changes. I used the illustration earlier of how I've been in several conversations. 
and I've opened the Bible and I've read the verse. I've even let the other person read the scripture. That I know what it means. I know what it says. But I don't believe that. Oh, wow. Problem solved. You don't believe it, so it must not be true. Can you imagine if we went to our schools this way? Two plus two is four. Uh, I've heard that. But I refuse to accept that as truth. I don't like the fact that my kindergarten teacher lords over me and just shoves that down my throat and says, I will conform and accept two plus two is four or else. I think it's five. And then the rest of the class cheers him because he's so brave to fight the oppression that he was born into. All truth, truth is absolute. This is not changing. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I'm not as smart as some people, but I know what forever means. It has been settled in heaven. All truth is not absolute. That's what they believe. Otherwise, what do I want truth to be? That's why you cannot find an emerging church that is anything but carnal. Because truth is not absolute. It's whatever I want it to be. Notice what else he used to define the emerging church. Community is valued over individualism. This ties into chaos and mob rule. Whatever our generation wants, that's what we gets, get. Whatever our generation wants or decides is truth, it must supersede the authority of a pastor. It must supersede the authority of Scripture because community is valued over individualism. That sounds good. Oh, for the good of everybody. But it's really not for the good of everybody. It's, it's rebellion against authority. That's why discussion is greater than thus saith the Lord. I mean, why does this guy always get to do the talking? Shouldn't he come and have a dialogue? You know, he tells you what God thinks, and then you take some time and Answer him and tell him what you think, because discussion is good. You know, last time I checked, God's not handing out surveys. Amen. But that's what it means when it says community is valued over individualism. It's what we want. You bring in a, a mob of lost people into your church because you, you, you got them in with a, with, with a, with a second-rate rock concert. With, 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 with spiritual sounding words every once in a while. And then you have a man of God filled with the Spirit of God to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord, the two are not going to go together. Because now it becomes community over individualism. Notice the last part of that definition, non-linear thinking. I believe there's something in Scripture that says line upon line. Amen. Precept upon precept. What is mean by non-linear thinking is right is what we decided to be. Precedent doesn't matter. Logic does not determine it. 
We decide what is right. We decide what is truth. This is their own definition. Friend, do not be deceived. This is not an alternative salvation. This is not an alternative worship. Well, this is just the way we worship. That's the way you worship. Friend, there's one God who sits on His throne. There's one, God, there's one Bible preserved uh, in heaven. There's one Savior. There's only one way. See, the emerging church's ex- existence is out of rebellion against God, the Bible, and tradition. The old-time religion, remember I asked you the question, is the old-time religion outdated? The old-time religion, as we often refer to the traditional church, is is not only the enemy to the emerging church, but it is considered outdated and therefore ineffective. Our doctrine is tied to the past. You need to get with the times. Our traditions are tied to the past. We need to get get with the times. That is their thinking. Why? Because there's a new generation that said, we don't want what Grandma had. We don't want that faith. 2 Timothy 2.2, a faithful man passing down the faithful man. That's the responsibility of every child of God, is to be faithful with the faith that we have been handed. Don't take it for granted. Pass it down. But virtually, what, what another generation has done is said, we don't want that. Keep it. And we will create our own. That, well, what is it? It's whatever we decide it to be. See, there are two areas that are targeted by the belief system of the emerging church. They're this. They're methods and theology. Let me just give this to you and I'll, I'll be out of time. The theology is what hits head to head. The theology is what we believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He came to this earth as the God-man, lived a sinless life. Perfect. I believe He went to the cross of Calvary and took upon Him the sins of all men. And paid our sin debt, suffered our death in hell. And as the Scripture tells us, came forth victorious, holding the keys. I believe He ascended up to heaven. I believe He will return again one day. that's That's my theology. I believe the Word of God is just that, the Word of God. I believe this book that I I preach from week in and week out is the perfect, inspired, preserved words of God. We have a theology that we hold to. Their theology is, we don't like your theology. In essence, that's what it is. Their theology is, Jesus is whoever we say He is. I'll prove that to you on Tuesday night. Their theology is, we don't even believe in the Holy Spirit of God. I'll hit that tomorrow night. Their theology is, we don't want your theology. That's their theology. So how can they engage in a theological debate with that as their theology? They can't. This, this, this could be very helpful to you. It could, it could, it could save somebody, you or somebody you know down the line. So what is attacked by the emerging church? The methods. 
your hymns. Authoritative preaching. Holiness and separation. Soul winning. You, you want to get the emerging church crowd worked up? Talk about soul winning. They don't attack the theology because they don't have any theology. Their theology is we hate your theology. So they come after your methods and they say those songs that you sing, they're, so, they're, they're old, we're living a new day. You have to, in order to build a church today, you've got to appeal to the, to the crowd of today. And so that, that, those songs are old, so get, let's get modern. And there are, not this one thankfully, but there are churches that fall prey to that. Well, and, and if, in authoritative preaching, pastor-led pulpits are under attack today. They're under attack in independent Baptist circles. I can't believe that. I wouldn't go to church where a man lorded over me. That's what they say. Well, I would much rather, wouldn't you much rather have Uncle Andy come in here, move the pulpit aside, get a stool out, come out here in his mod haircut, and say, I'm just going to discuss some things with you tonight. All uh, oh, that preaching, that's the way they did it in the old days. Nobody wants to be yelled at the whole time they're in church. They just come to worship the Lord. They don't come to hear you. Sadly, it's affecting our pulpits because they come after our method. Remember, they can't have a theological debate because we have the truth. We have the absolute their whole theology is we reject your theology, we reject what's been handed to us, so we'll create a new one. What is it? Whatever we want it to be. Because there's no absolutes. That's why, you remember 2 Timothy chapter 3, we read all those lists of things from, 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 from uh, oh, you, you name it, they're involved in there, they're, they're inside of the, you can find them all inside of the emerging church. It, it's accepting, uh, the emerging church today is accepting same-sex marriage. You name it, they're accepting it. Why is that? Because we can decide what is right. They can't have that argument. They can't have the debate because they lose that debate. So they come after the method. And sadly, they are shaming some into thinking, well, I guess, I guess today's generation, they don't like the, the old thing. And friend, this is what you've got to understand. Our methods are our methods not because we picked them up 40 years ago. Our methods are tied to doctrine. Did you listen to what you were singing tonight, singing those hymns? It was doctrine. There's no doctrine in saying the name of Jesus over and over and over and over again. And by the way, I'll, I'll show you, it's another Jesus they're talking about. What doctrine is there? We can have victory. We can have victory. We can have victory. We can have victory. Okay. How do you have victory? So they come after the methods. Uh, they'll label separation and standards as legalism. I'm sure nobody in here has ever heard that. <laughs> ever been accused of that. If somebody tells you you're a legalist or this church is, is, is legalist, the first thing you do is say, define it. Can you even give me the definition of what legalism is? Nine times out of ten, they can't. Because they heard somebody else say it because they don't like to be separated from the world. Legalism is adding anything to salvation, simply put. And, and, and your pastor does not believe he's saved because he wears a tie to preach in. 
You don't believe that, do you? Okay. Uh, they come after the methods because the methods are tied to the theology. And they say, borrow our methods. But their methods are tied to a false theology. I'll make this statement and I'll begin to wind it down. You cannot borrow the methods without getting the theology. I know you'll reach more people if you change your music. You'll reach more people if you drop in this area, this area. You'll reach more people if you stop being so authoritative with the Word of God. None of those things are true, but what it is is a tool of the devil to get you to trade your methods, and in reality, you're trading theology. But they'll use that, it's outdated. Your music is the music you have because it's just what was, has always been used. Let me introduce you to some more. Your preaching, that's just the way they preached back in the, back, back in the day. Now we have all the, these other things that can be used, so don't preach that way. No, the, we, are, we are instructed how to operate the, the house of God. We're instructed how to go after the lost. We're instructed what salvation is. And I cannot trade a method that's going to give me a different theology. Uh, the methods that we have in our churches today ought to come from Scripture. Amen. Not from the latest fad. It ought to come from the Word of God. It's a tool. Is, is the old-time religion outdated? Absolutely not. Because forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Amen. Uh, well, it's a new day. There's a once-delivered faith. God is not going to send another one. It's once delivered. So if there is a faith that is different than the faith that you and I hold to, is it of God? Absolutely not. By their own words, we as the emerging church, we exist because we rebel against what has always been. We rebel against the authority of the Word of God. Uh, that, that's why knowing that you have Scripture is important. Amen. Knowing it's the Word of God is important. Hey, don't, don't be shamed because... And they use this. Oh, you're, nobody wants what you have because it's old. That's grandma's. And they use these false statistics of why all of this generation, this is a generation leaving churches today, and it's because you're stuck in the past. I don't know if you've heard that one. No, a generation is leaving the church today because they're a generation of rebels. It's, it's simple. Because methods are tied to theology. Friend, realize something, and tonight I want to lay the foundation of what we have. Give a brief definition of what the emerging church is. And then tomorrow we'll get into how they deny the Spirit of God, Tuesday deny the Son of God, and Wednesday uh, we'll talk about the New Testament church or the emerging church. But this is what you and I need to be reminded of tonight. We have the truth. Amen. We have that which is right. There is one God. There is one Savior. I think of that. Say, why, 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 why would your pastor have be wanting to have a meeting like this? Because it's, it's important. It's tied to a common salvation. It grieves me. It grieves me. I don't get angry 
When I see people in my city, in my town, they say, well, I go to this emerging. They don't call it the emerging. They call it this church and this church and this church. And they're emerging churches. I don't get mad at them because they've been deceived. It grieves my heart to know that they'll never hear the gospel preached. They'll never hear. And you have to decipher through all of the lies that they've been told to get them to realize that Jesus is their only hope of salvation. Believe on the Word of God. Friend, tonight, I, I don't know who is normal folks. Well, I, I could probably rephrase that. I don't know who are the regular... Well, I, I don't know if I can say it like that either. I don't know who are normally here as members of the Central Baptist Church. I don't know who's visiting tonight. But if you're saved, you got saved the same way as they got saved in the Scripture. If you're depending on anything else for your salvation, you're lost. There's but one way to get to heaven. There's but one way to have forgiveness of your sins. There's but one way to have your eternity secure in Christ. Let's not believe the lie of the devil and think there's another way. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, in just a moment we're going to have an invitation and. and and I would pray that you allow somebody from the Scripture to show you how you can be for certain you're on your way to heaven. But Christians tonight, let's realize how valuable this book we hold in our hand is. I, I, I did this in my church, and I'll not do it tonight, but I asked everybody, I said, raise your hand if you have a relative, a co-worker, or a neighbor that attends an emerging church. And literally everybody in my church raised their hand. Because it's, it's widespread. And for too long, God's people have stuck their head in the sand and have not armed themselves with the Word of God. Because when I engage somebody who's in one of these churches, I have a goal. I want, I want them to trust Christ as their Savior. I want them to know the truth. And I imagine, I, I see the Banfies over here, missionaries. Y'all believe in missions around here? I'm not sure about that. <laughs> We, we, we support them. I know that on the mission field, they encounter a culture of false religion. They have to use the Scripture to work their way so that they might see the truth. Amen. In the United States of America, it's exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Uh, know what you believe. Be back tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Let's arm ourselves with the Word of God.